Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel a change in the wind right now. Nothing's in my way. Good evening, Great Britain. Good afternoon, United States. And if you're in the eastern part of Australia, you're getting up awful early. If you're in the western part, you might have insomnia. So welcome to the show anyway. This is Dr. Jess Online coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania, USA. And today we are going to talk about MTHFR and methylation. I think I, first off, I did many shows on this. Okay. And as you know, I'm a methylation MTHFR genetic expert. Um, but uh, still, the misinformation about uh, methylation and its proper place in your healthcare is still being promulgated, and people are getting very, very nervous. So I'm going to give you a primer on what the big deal is. Okay, I've published a PDF, uh, which is the PowerPoint that is, should be in front of you. It's uh, available on my website. It's available on any of the blogs that I am um, that I post to. So anybody should be able to get your hands on it. Uh, if not, you can just listen, and I, you can get it later because this uh, show will be archived. Okay, and our new tagline, which um, I'm really getting excited about, is reversing or we reverse we reverse engineer chronic illness okay because that actually describes what it is we do okay so let's get into it <clears throat> first of all i want to acknowledge uh the people who um whose information that i utilized uh that would be dr benjamin lynch who um everybody knows dr ben lynch he is uh one of the great um researchers in our profession, okay, and I took one of his books, MTHFR Basics, and some of his recent pathway planners, with his permission, of course, okay, and uh, anybody who's looking to learn more can go to seekinghealth.org, and uh, you can um, sign up and get all kinds of videos and actually join uh, various groups that uh, you can ask questions, and I know because I'm the guy answering the questions, okay. Uh, Some writings by Dr. Yasko. And if I make any particular references, I'll make them on the pages specifically. So these is, this is a question I get all the time. Okay, You've been, somebody calls me up and says, I have MTHFR. And diagnosed with MTHFR, and you're asking yourself, am I sick? If I have it, won't my kids have it too? Are they sick? Is there a cure? Should I start getting my affairs in order? By the way, what the heck is it? Okay, <laughs> And that's the real question. Well, MTHFR is simply a gene, okay? It means methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And when I say something fast, people, it means you should ignore it, okay? Because anybody can pronounce really, really really big names and impress you. I'm going to give you the overview. Simply, MTHFR encodes an enzyme. It creates an enzyme of the same name. Enzymes among other things, make our body's chemistry work, okay? So the gene just sets up the enzyme. The enzyme is what makes the body work, and what makes the enzymes work are things like cofactors, coenzymes, things that can accelerate things that can interfere with it and so forth. 
It's known by lots of names like the mother-father gene or some other very unsavory names, but its official title is methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And I'm going to explain to you what that means. By the way, if I'm looking at the chat room right now that's filling up, if anybody has questions, they can type it in on the chat room. I apologize that I've still not been able to get a different venue. So if you need to call in, um, it is going to be a long distance call. The number is 646 595 2277. That's 646 595 2277. And I think the country code is plus one or 001 before that. And I'll announce that again in a little while if you'd like to call in. Of course, you can always email me with questions. I don't want you to have to pay for a long distance call. What is NTHFR's function? Well, frankly, takes MTHFR takes dietary folate, and I'll show you the, the complicated thing later, and folic acid, which is useless in and of itself, and turns it into forms that the body can use, like methylfolate. You should note that unmetabolized folic acid will block folate receptors and is generally bad for you. This is an argument in and amongst all the people who do this kind of work, with a folic acid in any form whatsoever will block folate receptors. There's evidence that unmetabolized folic acid, which gets poorly metabolized in the gut as, a fo- as opposed to a liposomal form that gets directly into the cells, okay, which would be okay. And people have been taking folic acid for years. Uh, but generally speaking, unmetabolized folic acid, I think everybody agrees, will block folate receptors. And I'll show you why that's a problem in a little while. Active forms of folate like green leafy vegetables, folinic acid, and methylfolate are kind of the best ways of obtaining your folate. Of course, the best way, bar none, is to have green leafy vegetables because that's where you're going to get your folates from. Now, what's the big deal about MTHFR? Why this one gene? There are about a million genes, right? There's the Human Genome Project. You know, if you if you go to 23andMe and they use the V2 chip, I think they're looking at 250,000 genes or 500,000 genes, and there's a whole lot more than that. Okay, so MTHFR is a gene in a sea of genes. Why did they pick this particular one to study? Well, here goes. Here's the history of it. God forbid I shouldn't have a long explanation, right? <laughs> Anybody who knows me will giggle. All right. Methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase was a key regulatory enzyme in folate and homocysteine metabolism. The reference is right there for its molecular biology um, of MTHFR and an overview of mutations and polymorphisms. And when the American Heart Association said homocysteine, which is an amino acid in the blood, and too much of it is related to a high risk of coronary artery disease, stroke, and peripheral vascular disease, the evidence was mounting that high homocysteine may cause damage to the heart. So, okay, the the reference for that is there. It was felt that testing for MTHFR would give insight into hyperhomocysteinemia, which is high homocysteine levels in the blood, and be a better heart risk indicator. (laughs) Little did they know what they were going to unleash. Then MTHFR comes on the scene. Okay, in short order, there were reports that MTHFR mutations may be a risk for a myriad of health issues. But they only tested two particular variations, the C677C and the 1298C. By the way, what those variations mean is where they are in the actual genome. And even though MTHFR does one thing and one thing only, that is methylene into 5-methyltetrahydrofolate. Remember, ignore me if I speak fast. Okay, and there's about 50 of them. Okay, these very little variations have slight different, slightly different actions, okay? And the biggest problem is that they're only looking at two, and let's say you only have one polymorphism of them, and you have 50 genes without polymorphisms, well, the function is going to be taken up by those other genes, by those other enzymes, my apologies, okay? But at the beginning, here are some of the conditions thought to be associated with MTHFR, because what they first found out was, that relationship between MTHFR and homocysteine was not a one-to-one relationship. They couldn't make a good predictive value with it. So anybody who had any kind of chronic illness started testing for this, and all of a sudden they started seeing, oh, if I have this, I have MTHFR, and I have this in MTHFR, and I have this in MTHFR, and they made 
in what I call the erroneous conclusion that MTHFR causes things. And this is what you're going to find in the literature even now, that the C677T can cause elevated homocysteine, cardiovascular disease, a stroke, deep vein thrombosis, peripheral neuropathy, stillbirths, preeclampsia, neural tube defects, cleft lip. Uh, 1298 combined with C677T, the 1298 can cause, according to some literature, depression, anxiety, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, dementia, schizophrenia, Parkinson's, tetrahydrobiopterin problems, that's BH4, migraines. Combinations will cause things like uh, what you saw before, but more severe and blood clots. They were blaming all of these things solely on MTHFR, and the things that aggravated the MTHFR mutations were heavy metal exposures, amalgams, uh, vaccines, fish, aluminum, cookware, occupational exposures, poor diet, processed foods, hydrogenated fats, anesthesia, other enzyme defects, and comorbid diseases like diabetes, lymphoma, and clotting problems. Well, that makes kind of sense, all right? I'm going to leave, I'm going to tell you a phrase, I'm going to be repeating it a lot. Always remember, that genetics loads the gun, genetics load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So if you're going to activate or create expression of methylation problems, the things like heavy metal exposure, poor diet, and so forth, that's more the path of where the problem is. But there's more. In the literature, you would find things like cleft palate, tongue-tied babies. There's a whole mess of uh, evidence or <laughs> seeming evidence that MTHFR by itself was a big factor in uh, tongue-tied babies. Bipolar disease, schizophrenia, severe mental illness, hypertension, thrombosis, which is clots, myocardial infarction, which are heart attacks, acute lympho lymphoblastic anemia, leukemia, miscarriages, recurrent pregnancy loss, and a myriad of other conditions. Okay, and in early MTHFR research, this is where it was at, and this is from Dr. Lynch himself, but it was a while ago. Here's the problem. And this is what I want to get across to everybody. Remember that what we're doing here is revisiting basics. Okay, as our podcasts go on, we will be having interviews with people. You're going to be learning more advanced things, but we have to have kind of a base to work from, a logical base. So the problem is our MTHFR mutations in and of themselves, the consummate devils that cause the, these conditions. And to parrot um, the comedian John Panette, I say, oh, nay, nay. Why would I say this when the literature is replete with references to conditions associated with MTHFR mutations? Well, let's take a look at what MTHFR really does. In this particular schematic, you can see that the MTHFR is involved in the folate cycle and in the BH4 cycle, which is how you create your neurotransmitters, okay? It's a single gene or a single enzyme in a very large folate slash methylation cycle that eventually ends up becoming homocysteine and then glutathione. If we look at the next page, we'll see Dr. Dr. Ben's pathway planner of the folate pathway. You know, people, we've all gone methylation crazy, okay? And it was MTHFR, then it's methylation. Well, guess what? The methylation pathway does not exist in a vacuum. There are pathways that contribute to it, okay? It's not a single system. And what you're looking at here is the folate pathway, where you're seeing the FOLR, which is a folate receptor, okay? DHFR, which is a folate receptor, okay? That creates dihydrofolate, okay? And eventually tetrahydrofolate. And then the MTHFD1s come in, and eventually towards the bottom, you get 510-methylene-tetrahydrofolate. And there is MTHFR right after that that takes 510-methylene-tetrahydrofolate and creates 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate. And it feeds into other pathways like the methionine pathway and the transcobalamin, which I'll show you in a couple of minutes. If you take a good look at this particular pathway, you will see things like in purple, things that block it, block the pathways at certain places. Things that are in green with a little curved arrow, which are 
substances that are cofactors that are required for the process to take place. Okay, and other things like in orange that speed up the processes. Okay, uh, Dr. Ben did a really great job on these pathway planners. You can look at them and get a really, really good idea of how the pathway works and what you need for the pathway to work. And now with his new strategy uh, application that you can put your 23andMe through, uh, what, will ha what happens here is that it's like drawing circles, like a red, a green, or a yellow circle around these genes, and you have an idea of how well those enzymes are working, and you can see them, okay, in, in the pathway itself, whereas when someone's describing it to you, you have to imagine it, okay? So, folated methylation, this is the next slide, where you see that folate pathway and now how it feeds into another pathway, Okay, where you, see, where you see MTR and NTR, the MTR, that's the cobalamin pathway, which is how you create your methylcobalamin or your methyl B12. Okay, then methionine, and it goes through all the methyltransferases, and, you know, I'm not going to go into how, it, you know, it heals various parts of the body, but on the bottom, you see where CBS happens. Okay, that's homocysteine, and if you follow that pathway then that's how you create glutathione, which is your master antioxidant and antitoxicant. So, guess what? From MTHFR to MTR to MTR is methylation. Okay, it is one pathway. Okay, that is important, no doubt. Okay, but not any more important than the folate pathway, not any more important than the methionine pathway, any more important than the transsulfuration pathway. So, if you look at the next page, you see all the biochemical pathways of the body. By the way, if anybody wants this, uh, you type in Roche, R-O-C-H-E, uh, the, the, the big pharma company, biochemical pathways. They will take you to a website that has this picture, but it's highly interactive. You can expand it and you can have it search and look for particular things. And the methylation pathway out of all the biochemical pathways in the body is where you see that blue arrow, okay? The middle guy is, is the tricyclic acid or Krebs cycle. You need all this stuff to work, okay? Methylation is good, but methylation is not the only thing in the world that we should be considering. Should we consider it? Yes. Should we concentrate solely on it? No. Treating MTHFR on the next slide is sort of like treating one solar system and you want to fix the entire galaxy, okay? Doesn't work like that. So MTHFR does not exist in and of itself, okay? So what do we look for? Well, here's the thing. You need to find a doctor or nutritionist that understands MTHFR and methylation because that's important, okay? Just because you have an MTHFR polymorphism or SNP, which means single nucleotide polymorphism, does not mean that it's expressing. Remember that genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So if you get a methylation panel done and you see that you have C677T homozygous or C677T heterozygous, 1298 to C homozygous, you were born like that. It didn't develop. You were born like that. One has to decide if it's expressing or not and what to do about it. You know, many people have MTHFR, but which ones need L-methylfolate or 5-10-methylfolate or Deplin or any of the variations? Well, I'm going to tell you in practice, just so you know, that people who call themselves methylation practitioners have one, two choices to give you. 5-methylfolate or they can give you medical melanin. And about 40% of the time, it either does nothing or improves the condition. About 60% of the time, it makes things worse. Okay, and this is why you kind of need somebody to help you along with this, okay? Um, when folate levels are not extremely low, people who have done well on, people have done well with uh, 4, to 800, 4 to 800 micrograms of folate um, a day, uh, with a folate, folate rich diet. So if your folate levels, if you're measuring them are not ultra low, okay, usually diet will take care of it. Okay. Sometimes giving too much L-methylfolate in certain individuals can cause a backup in high folic acid levels. Okay. For the folate they're not using and actually cause problems. 
Unmetabolized folic acid, like I told you before, is one of the risk factors in colorectal cancer. Excess folic acid can burn out folate receptors. Put too much folate in there, too much folic acid in there, okay, and you might desensitize the receptors and they won't work and the whole process stops, okay? Some things you might want to know that are kind of pulled out of the literature. High levels of L-methylfolate can put a burden on people with COMT. Okay, COMT is catechol methyltransferase, which is how you break down your excitatory neurotransmitters. So guess what? Sometimes putting too much methylfolate in makes you more nervous, makes you more anxious, okay? Methyl donors, like L-methylfolate, can elevate epinephrine and lead to anxiety and panic attacks in individuals with COMT, and I, I put the variations in, but we shouldn't pay too much attention to the variations, cause, but just uh, as a point of reference. Low folates can give concern towards autoimmune problems, since folate plays a big picture in the immune system. So uh, a lot of people with MTH are far expressing, expressing have been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, okay? And you, as, as you well know, the TSH is not the best way to tell if you have Hashimoto's, you need to do the full range of labs, okay? But one of the ways you can help treat Hashimoto's is by paying attention to the methylation pathway, and that you don't do in a vacuum, okay? You do that looking at the whole person, okay, which is what I'm trying to get across. The real question is, how should genes be used, okay? How should the genes that we're all looking at be used? Okay, here's the first principle. You can't treat a gene. That's an impossibility. When somebody walks up to me and says, I treat MTHFR, and they're a healthcare provider, I'm saying, I want to look at them very badly. I want to look at them and say, are you telling me that you can take MTHFR homozygous and turn it into MTHFR normal? Okay, and then when I see the cross eyes and the and the you know I kind of wave my hand in front of them because you know they got they've gone tilt. Okay, um, you know you realize you cannot change the genetic structure. Okay, what you can change is the genetic expression. Okay, and what you should do is use the genes as guideposts. Okay, so you must treat what caused the genes to express or what caused the enzymes to express because again. Genetic lo genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Let me ask you a question. Not that you're going to be able to answer me because you're, you're all in England and you, you're probably looking at me cross-eyed. Okay, but think about the the incidence of autism. Okay, about 20 years ago, and and, and excuse me if the numbers aren't exact. It was one in 10,000. Now it's one in 55, and it's predicted to go to one in 25 in the next 10 years. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Have our genes changed over time? Have our genes actually morphed? I don't think so. Okay, I'm sure there's been some genetic aberrations and so forth, but guess what? I don't think the whole population can go from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 50, okay, unless you had some kind of nuclear attack that really changed the genes, okay? What has changed is our environment, what has changed are the toxin levels. What has changed is the glyphosates or glyphosates, as uh, Dr. Seneff pointed out the other night. Okay, these things are causing damage that are allowing genetic physicians to express. If you follow that particular thought pattern, you can fix things. It's a gene. You go to somebody who says, I'm going to fix this gene. I invite you to leave his office or her office, okay? Because you can't fix a gene, you can fix the genetic expression, and that's where you should be looking. What do we use the genes for? As guideposts. When I look at a complex set of genes and I'm looking at all the various pathways, I say to myself, gee, the aldehyde pathway is going to have some problems here under an oxidative stress load. What the heck can cause the aldehyde pathway to be stressed, and I know it to be yeast because yeast produces a lot of acetylaldehyde. And I also know that ethanol or alcohol breaks down to ethyl aldehyde, which is essentially acetylaldehyde, which is essentially formaldehyde. So the scenario I would get 
is that when I, I would ask them about alcohol and does it make them feel good? And they say, well, gee, when I was in my 20s, I could drink like a fish. Okay, now if I have a glass of wine I get, or, uh, you know, a glass of alcohol, I get really sick really fast. Well, it tells me that aldehyde pathway is not working and gives me a hint that I should look for yeast. Okay, is it a, one, is it a, a to B to C to D, to D kind of thing? No, it's a hint. It's a guidepost. It's a biomarker. Okay, it's one of the things that you write down and say, gee, they haven't paid attention to this. Even though the testing doesn't really show it that well, maybe we should treat it, especially if they have cravings for sugar and other signs that it may be a yeast overgrowth. Okay, but this kind of work takes time and effort, trust me. Okay, this, but a, a Buddha, one more time, just a simplified approach was demanded. And is that good or bad? It depends, but let me tell you what's being presented to you. And, and I apologize at first if I seem that I'm angry with some of the stuff that's out there, but frankly, I am because they are not treating you well. Okay. They're not taking business away from me. Okay. I can work 24 seven and I'd still not catch up. Okay. I'm very, very busy. Okay. This is not a business thing. This is a advocacy thing. Okay, I don't like the way people are being treated when it concerns this, and it's a business and you need to know about it. Okay, so I have here an example of a computer program. Okay, I'm not going to name the computer programs because I don't want to get sued. And this particular computer program, if you look at it, it shows the various polymorphisms and encourages certain supplements based on the polymorphisms. No consideration as to what's really expressing, but it just says if you have this polymorphism, encourage this. If you have this polymorphism, encourage this. Okay. And, you know, healthcare providers love that because they don't have to think. Okay. Then there's another program, which here is in purple and, and blue, that looks beautiful. Wow, man, it looks great. And I have a couple of pages worth of it, and it, it takes the various genes and breaks them out and tells you what's going on and so forth and so on. And, of course, I caught a couple of little things in there that, you know, I didn't like, like DAO is genes impact the neurotransmitters. Uh, sorry, variants of the DAO genes impact neurotransmitters in a manner which we don't understand. Well, gee, I thought DAO broke broke down histamine, but that's besides, that's just me. Okay. But here you have this beautiful program. They put the 23 me in and they hand you this multi-page report. Okay. And it looks like major explanations, tells you why you're feeling, why your intestinal health is bad, why critical for mood, you know, for mood and so forth. And why are they bad? Okay. Why is something like that bad? Well, guess what? What's really going on Okay, is the marketing people said, hey, there's a, let's create the need, okay? So that's when you see all those things and all those explanations of what is wrong, not could be wrong, but what is wrong, okay? When you create a need, now you've got to fulfill the need, okay? It's a, it's a classic marketing ploy, okay? And I did not want to put the practitioner's copy of that particular program you're just seeing, but what you don't see is that the practitioner is given another page that tells him or her exactly what to order for those polymorphisms. Okay, and I know particularly that this particular practitioner may charge $60 to do a genetic evaluation, but you're going to walk out with $300 worth of product that you're going to be on forever. Okay, and that's a great way to create an income stream. Okay, no muss, no fuss, no Okay, and that's not serving you. Okay, and there's a lot of places doing it. So if you go to the next page, you'll see the products. Okay, and it says, guess to the patient's root issues with methylation support. Okay, with things like methylation assist and bioactive folate and so forth and so on and methylation accelerator and glutathione accelerator. Well, these are, pre these are presupposed that all of the polymorphisms are in fact expressing. So if you don't want to think, you can rent this program for about 90 bucks a month, run it with all your patients, okay, and use, utilize this, this particular product line, and you're going to make a lot of money. You're not going to heal anybody, 
in my estimation. And if you do, it's going to be by accident, not by intention. Okay. But you're going to make a lot of money. I don't think I like that. The next is a new way to get vitamins. And you see a nice lady with green lips. Okay. And this is another program. Okay. Uh, And again, I'm not going to name it, but you run your genes through that and it spits out the vitamins you need. And they will not only tell you what they will pack it for you in convenient, you know, blister packs. So no more guesswork, no, no more one size fits all, no more worrying about quality, no more pill counting, no more vitamin bottle clutter. Okay. All based on your genes. Guess what? Nobody's asked whether they're expressing or not. Okay. So does everybody who has MT trophallic polymorphisms need methylfolate? No. Okay. Is there, can there be problems if you give somebody methylfolate or methylcobalamin when they don't need it? Sure. Okay. You can increase anxiety, knock it right through the roof. And I was really shocked when I did research that even old venerable vitamin companies are getting on the methylation bandwagon. Uh, There's one here called Pure Genomics, okay, where they will do testing and they will look at your, they take your 23andMe results, identify the eight key methylation SNPs, and then translates those results into specific recommendations. Isn't that nice? I personally read 44 pages of SNPs, just around 900 of them. They're going to take the eight key ones and tell you exactly what to use. Okay? You got to be careful. So, Who's teaching the doctors? Okay, well, what does it take to practice quote-unquote methylation? And I use the term loosely. In other words, what does it take to, be, take to be able to care for complex cases with the expertise of a Sean Bean, myself, Dr. Ben Lynch, Dr. Amy Asco, and Pemberton, you know, over in UK, and all the good people who are really doing the right work? Well, frankly, it takes research, experience, collaboration, willingness to think outside the box and the ability and willingness to take the proper time and effort for each case. People, there are no shortcuts. And I realize that doctors are busy. So am I, but, and I know I drop the ball once in a while. I am human. Although sometimes people want to retest my DNA and figure out if I'm not, but that's besides the point. Um, There are no shortcuts. This takes work. It's not just genetics. It's healthcare. Genetics are a part, uh, are a data. Okay, MTHFR is part of that. But in and of itself, it is useless. Okay, in and of itself, the, the craze that's been created for MTHFR and methylation by itself is questionably good. Okay, when you took, take all the genes and you put them in the pathways and you consider them as part of the whole, now you've got a great set of data that will help somebody heal when they wouldn't heal before, okay? Another way, there are these quickie weekend courses, okay, which I'm making an example of here. And look at the wording. Take your practice to the next level, okay? Is this learning to heal or learning how to increase your income, okay? I'll leave you to decide that, okay? We'll show you how to bring more health and joy into your patients' lives using methylation, okay? And I looked at some of the advertisement in here, And the commentary was, your patients all have methylation problems. The good news is you are supporting improved methylation by supporting the basic foundational principles in functional medicine. Um, I have not attended this course, so I'm just going to say that for $1,000, you too can partake in this particular level of healing. Okay? But is it only garnered around methylation? Next slide, everybody's jumping on the methylation bandwagon. You've seen the methylogenetic nutrition breaking the, co- breaking the genetic code. Okay, that, the result of that was that big, long um, a report that you just saw. Okay, this is where they teach it. Okay, and they're not really teaching it. They're teaching you how to use the program, not how to understand the pathways. Okay, something's wrong with that. Okay, so how do you know if your doctor took one of these quickie educational courses? How do you know? You could ask, (laughs) okay? But just in case, here's some hints for you in case you're wondering what's going on. If all of a sudden your healthcare provider starts talking methylation 
all of a sudden, like they never talked about it before, coupled with a computer program or using marketing materials from a vitamin company or practice management group. They started throwing these marketing materials at you, okay? Puts in place a really brand new set of vitamins, okay, that are really expensive are the biggest indicators. Because once they start yelling MTHFR, then like, hey, I wanna, I wanna sell you this. And if you end up walking out of the office with a shopping bag full of product, probably this person took a quickie weekend course. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily if they're, if they're learning to use it in the holistic method. If they're looking to just add something to increase their income, you're going to know the difference. You know, as I've progressed, I use less and less product. Okay, I don't have my own product line for a reason. So I don't have the pressure of wanting to sell a product. So guess what? I use a lot of different people's products. And over time, I've learned how to combine things effectively. So where somebody, where I used to, you know, recommend 20, 30 products, now it's four or five, okay? And guess, and, and they work, and <laughs> people are getting better, all right? So if you're walking out with more and more and more product, guess what? Something doesn't make a lot of sense there, okay? How should your doctor be acting? If you, what should you expect when your doctor or your healthcare provider says that they do, quote, unquote, methylation? Well, you should expect that the, the genetics would be put in their proper place. So they would have had training in it, okay? Your healthcare provider should be willing to, and able to identify and treat not only the root causes of dysfunction, but also attend the downstream effects. That is fixing whatever those primary causative agents did to the body, okay? Genes are a part of that. So as a minimum, the practitioner should have expertise in neuroendoimmunology, epigenetics and nutrigenomics, acquired or secondary mitochondrial dysfunctions, and cell wall integrity, and be willing to take the proper time and effort to assess each component, each person's component, what, I'm sorry, assess each component's contribution to your presenting complaint. In other words, not just treat the Hashimoto's, not just treat the anxiety, not just treat the chronic fatigue, not just treat the ME, but be willing to put it all together and using the standard medical references, using the genetics, using everything possible to heal you, okay? That's where it's at. That's what your healthcare provider should be doing. And when I'm back in UK, that's part of what I'm going to be helping teach the healthcare providers that are interested, and there's plenty. And uh, we're, liaison we're liaising with Ann Pemberton and um, other people, and guess what? This is going to blossom. And my goal is by 2017 is to have a list of practitioners in the UK that have been well-trained and have been mentored, and we can point to them and say those people not only know what they're doing, they are willing to do it, they're able to do it, they're available, and they have experts as backup in case they hit walls. That's the best service that I, Sean, and Pemberton, and the like can do for you is to make sure that the healthcare providers you do see are well-trained. In other words, if you want to heal a fish, you got to make the water healthy. Don't ask me why I put it in there because I like the picture of the fish, okay? So, in conclusion, what have we learned? All right. We have learned that MTHR methylation is important, but in reality is a small fish in a big ocean. Treating MTHFR and methylation in and of itself is an impossibility. You cannot change the SNP, but you can affect the expression. As the SNP or the polymorphism will be of questionable benefit. I know I'm going right in the face of people. There are people going to start yelling at me. I'm used to it, okay? Anybody can scream and yell and jump up and down at me, but guess what? I've been practicing for a lot practicing this for a long time, and I know the, <laughs> the way of the world. Quickie weekend courses, short webinars can only introduce these concepts, and it takes a whole lot more to reach a level of expertise. Even myself, I have three levels when I think about things. I have a passing knowledge, a working knowledge, and, a, and an expertise, okay, level of knowledge. And I only work with my expertise level when I'm dealing with people. I have lots of interests, okay, but... 
it takes a lot more to integrate this into your mind and into the looking at people holistically. And I don't, when I say holistically, I don't mean bringing out the crystals, the swinging dead chickens over somebody's head. I mean looking at everything and bringing the best of allopathy, traditional medicine, and non-traditional medicine together. Somebody has got to be the patient's advocate. And it's unfortunate up until this time that it has fallen on the patient themselves. Okay, I want to change that. I want people to trust their healthcare providers because they're well-trained and they are eclectic. They know what's going on and they have a wide base. The way old family doctors used to be like that, okay? It doesn't exist anymore because of the specialty environment, okay? Computer programs that base their nutritional recommendations on this are working on an inaccurate and dangerous premise. I know that I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but it is absolutely true. If you have a computer program and it bases its recommendations or a doctor's or a healthcare provider is basing their recommendations solely on the polymorphism, that is dangerous and inaccurate, okay? And when choosing a healthcare provider, you have to be discerning as to their actual expertise in this important area of healthcare. But gee, how can you tell? Well, Remember David Letterman and his top 10 that he used to do every night, the top 10 of this? Well, I made up the top 10, well, five really, maybe six, reasons not to treat with a healthcare provider who says or claims that they do MTHFR and methylation. Number five, person keeps calling MTHFR the mother-father gene or worse. Four, cannot explain what MTHFR does or how it leads to certain symptoms. Three, has a bewildered look on their face when you show him the pathways that you've copied from Dr. Yasko or Dr. Lynch. Two, conversationally mentions other pathways but breaks sweat when you ask him or her which of your SNPs are involved because he hasn't tested them. One, you produce a list of SNPs and mention a few and watch him or her turn different colors when you ask him what they mean. By the way, ladies, something I've learned that I should share with you. Okay, there is nothing more frightening to a doctor than a woman with a list. And here's a tip. Position yourself between him, the doctor, and the door. If his office is higher than the second floor, he's trapped and has to answer your questions. Okay? Because most doctors want to slip out. And the quickest phrase that will send you screaming off into the night and out of that doctor's office is, there's no scientific evidence that these other SNPs have anything to do with your health, dear, besides... Dear, besides, it's all in your head. <laughs> you get that attitude, it's time to leave, okay? And I had a little thing about the last time I did this. Here it is. And here's the music that I associated with these tens. And Problem is all inside you have to me The answer's easy if you take it logically I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free There must be 50 ways to leave your lover That was 50 ways to leave your lover and it was not by Paul Simon, the other one was from Paul Simon <laughs> Okay, and I played that the last time I did this uh, particular show uh, because that's the way you should just walk out if somebody's treating you like that. Um, as usual, uh, I'm available for consults by Skype or phone, and I'm available worldwide. Also, I'm available to educate and mentor healthcare providers. Okay, my information is there. You can contact me on my website, and I do offer get acquainted sessions to ascertain if I can help you. Okay, and all you have to do is go to my website and schedule that. Um, I did that in less than 45 minutes. <laughs> okay, so if anybody out there has got questions, I'd be happy to answer them. I'm looking at the chat room, um, and I'll wait a couple of minutes and see if uh, anybody calls in. Um, hopefully, I didn't offend anybody, uh, and if I did, I'm sorry if you were offended. Um, but what I do is tell the truth, and MTHFR is important. Okay, but it is one gene in a sea of genes. Okay, and when somebody contacts me and says, I have, you know, compound heterozygous MTHFR, 
you know, do you treat that? I, I'm usually going to say yes. Okay, but I will do the proper thing, which is I will explain to them that I'm going to look at their entire condition. Okay, and the reason people are so hot on the genes is because they feel that this information will cure them. And the fact is, it's a very good data source, okay? But it has to be put in, in its proper perspective and its proper relief, okay? And if anybody's not will, if your provider is not willing to do that, okay, something is wrong. Really, there should be no quote-unquote methylation providers, okay? That's limiting you to the methylation pathway, if I reading that correctly. It's sort of like going to an endocrinologist or a gynecologist where they specialize in one area. Okay. And somebody who says, well, I'm going to only pay attention to one pathway out of all pathways. Besides, what can they possibly offer you? Okay. If you have methylation problems, there are only two things, methylcobalamin or methylfolate. Yes, there are other methyl donors like SAMe, trimethylglycine, and so forth. But when you're just talking about the methylation pathway and utilizing those polymorphisms, guess what? There's only a couple of things they can give you. So how much of a specialty is it if all you're going to do is look at one pathway or one gene and say, I'm going to give people this? Okay, and it's really big in medical circles these days. Okay, and I'm often getting people saying, "Hey, I took the 5-methylfolate and I got worse." Okay, well, okay, it's not unusual. You have to consider everything, and even if you are going to use methylating products, okay, you have to be ginger about how you use them. You trial them. You use smaller amounts and build your way up. You methylate normally. Okay. You use different methyl sources. And the scenario that I often get is I'll, I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, gee, I can only have this little crumb of methylcobalamin or methylfolate. And beyond that, I can't have any more because it makes me feel sick. Well, I say, well, look, if you're only having a crumb, how much B12 or folate are you getting? Okay, you're not getting what your body needs. It's certainly not a therapeutic level. Okay, so your healthcare provider should be rethinking this. And looking at it from different points of view. So my conclusion, the thing that I want you to walk away from this is, number one, methylation is a big industry buzzword. So there are tons, there's tons of money to be made. So that's where these companies are coming out, you know, waving the methylation flag and giving you computer programs that point, 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 point. And you have to be, unfortunately, you're the consumer, you have to be cognizant of it, okay? And in this lecture and in this PDF, I gave you decision trees, ways to make decisions about how a healthcare provider should be acting, okay, what they should be considering, okay? And believe me, if they don't know about it, there's other doctors that are willing to teach them, like myself. I have loads of doctors saying, I don't understand this stuff. And I spend the time and I teach them. And usually after several times, they got it. Okay. And that goes into their toolbox and they add it in the greater scheme of helping their patients. Okay. So you've got to be careful of the person who is the quote unquote methylation practitioner because that's all they want to talk about. And that's all they do. Okay. Um, all I'm asking you to do is to be discerning. And I'm, for that, and I don't see anybody asking questions, and I certainly don't see anybody calling in, and one of these days, I will figure out a better venue so that you, so that my beloved UK patients can actually call and ask questions, okay? Um, I am going to be back in UK starting October 5th. I'll be spending my first week in Manchester, then down in Herefordshire, and then in Southampton, okay? And um, anybody who's interested in seeing me can contact me. I'll give you the um, individual who's doing my scheduling. And um, be very happy to see you. I'm also going to be teaching an introductory course to healthcare providers on the 
second weekend of May. Oh, my God, there's actual call. Wow. Hi, this is Dr. Jess. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hi, Dr. Jess. How are you? Hi, it's Lucinda. Lucinda, how are you, dear? Okay, I'm listening to your podcast, and I have a question. Um, of course. I'm okay, thanks. I'm sorry, say again, please? So I'm listening to your podcast, and I have a mm-hmm. question. Please. I'm, I'm slightly confused about all this methylation issue. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, does one have to have that M23 test in order to um, work with you or um, so that you can work out our one's methylation issues? Actually, you're, you're talking about the 23andMe test, and the, yeah. answer would be, the answer would be no. Uh, and I'm glad you asked the question because it's something I did not address. Um, 23andMe and Ancestry.com both have um, saliva-based uh, genetic tests, okay? Now, your uh, Ancestry.com is a lot less money. When you, if someone should do that test, it's not Ancestry or 23andMe that you, you're paying attention to. They're going to give you, um, you know, a lot of... Uh, stuff about your past and so forth. They give you access to the raw data. That's the benefit of those tests. You can actually download your genetic raw data, okay, and you need to put that raw data through one of the many applications that are out there. Uh, There's Genetic Genie, there's Prometheus, there is... um, I know, there's Ben Lynch. And there's Dr. Lynch's, which is Strategene, or the most robust one right now is at mthfrsupport.com, which is Sterling Hills, which has a 44-page report and 900 genes. And, of course, there's Levwello, okay, which is, an, which is similar to the earlier version of, of um, Sterling's. Uh, Dr. Yasko has her own test, which in, the, in this time frame is quite limited, Okay, so if somebody wanted to assess their genetic profile or genetic structure and look at all the pathways, um, the way you would get your raw data for that would be with the 23andMe or Ancestry.com's DNA test. Okay, uh, and then it's a it's my if you're really if you want to look at them in the pathways, then Dr. Ben's strategy is a good one. If you want all the, the the most the biggest bang for the buck, in other words, the most looked at, the most amount of genes that are available, um, then it would be uh, Sterling Hills MTHFRsupport.com. They're all around the same amount of money. They're all about thirty dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. and they just I, I was reading somebody else's data from Ben uh, Dr. Ben Lynch, and it just was like double dot. And his strategy to a patient, it just meant absolutely nothing. Well, the strategy was originally created to assist healthcare providers in understanding the pathways by making it visual for them. Dr. Ben yeah. decided to open he originally he was not going to be opening it to the to the um, public. I'm not exactly sure why he decided to do that. But uh, the purpose of strategy, believe it or not, was originally my idea, uh, but I didn't have the money to develop it, (laughs) was to be able to quantify the polymorphisms. Okay, so if you have 20 COMTs and you have them all polymorphic, well, that's going to significantly affect the enzymatic function. So, you know, I I was proposing doing a red circle around COMT out of all the COMTs and then the MAOAs and the ones that are really important. Um, I think what the result is presently is kind of the first version and it's going to expand from there. Uh, This way, healthcare providers and patients really, but healthcare providers can look at the genes 
in the pathways and say, gee, this particular pathway may be compromised under an oxidative stress load, okay? Especially when you're looking at the glutathione pathway and you see that the glutathione, which is your master antioxidant, which will oxidize, it has to, everything does, but doesn't have the capability of recycling to reduce glutathione and re- being reused. That, that oxidized glutathione, which is called GSSG, will get stuck in the mitochondria and be one of the reasons for mitochondrial dysfunction. Unfortunately, strategy by itself can be daunting, okay, if you're not familiar with it. And oh, I wouldn't do it with a, without you on board. I was just saying, you know, it, um, there should be a better somebody way like Ben Lynch yeah. who understood it. Well, I'm seeking permission from him right now to do a video explaining strategy. And the way I want to do the video is to make it simple. The way I, the way I did the video or the um, podcast on the cell danger response, because that is mondo um, complex. But but if you put it down to the basics, people understand why at the very cellular level they're ill. Okay, you you start with that understanding, then you people blossom out from there. So things with strategy and are just um, kind of in their beginning throes, if you will. Okay, and uh, once uh, Ben does his own video, I'm going to ask him if I can do a more explanatory video because it is out there. I want people to understand it. Okay, as best as I can. Um, the most robust. Uh, application would be Sterling's, which is um, mthfrsupport.com. Uh, and of course, the problem with that, it's, not really, it's kind of top-heavy, and if you don't understand the genes and don't understand the pathways, it's hard for anybody to put it into the pathways. I do it daily so I can group them and explain them, and when I've done a history, I can, say, I can either skip over things and say, look, this is expressing this. You have um, estrogen-dominant possibilities, but you express it because you have PMDD or PMT, you know, or in a man, you have symptoms of low testosterone without having low testosterone with the combination of those estrogen dominance type genes with uh, symptoms of low T and not having actual low testosterone um, kind of gives me a hint of what I should be treating. Okay. Uh, But it's, you know, it's taking a lot of practice to put that together. Okay, and it's very, very yeah, daunting very for practice. Very complex. Okay, and but you know I have a lot of doctors that I teach, and once they've done ten or fifteen of them with me, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, and then I only get the then I, they give me a call and they hit a wall. <laughs> okay, which is the way it really would the way it should be. Okay. Well, thank you for asking my answering well, my you. question. Okay. Thank well, I'll let you go now. I appreciate it, Lucinda. Thank you for calling in. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was really nice of Lucinda to call in. That was wonderful. It's great to hear from her. Lucinda is one hellishly bright, intelligent woman. Okay, and whenever she asks questions, she always asks good questions. Okay, and she absorbs the information and, you know, then asks me another good question. I love it. (laughs) I really do. Okay, if anybody else has questions, um, you can use the... um, the chat room, of course, you can call in, which would be 001-646-595-2277. If you're in the United States, it's just 646-595-2277. I'll wait another minute or two. Okay. And again, this is not meant to make this confusing for anyone. This is meant to put MTHFR methylation and genetics into their proper place. Okay. I've been by the way, Dr. Ben Lynch agrees with me, okay? He went from being the MTHFR king to being now foundational treatment king, okay? The day that he announced, we're going to stop treating the SNPs and start treating the body, I almost fainted. <laughs> I called him and said, gee, where, wonder where you heard that from, you know? And he's, he's an excellent, you know, he's put a lot of his um, effort, his team efforts, I mean, he's got PhDs working for him and so forth. So he's trying to do this so that, it is unassailable on a scientific level, okay? Um, I work with that, and I also work on an anecdotal and experiential level. Um, very hard for, um, for, for medical people to 
be there because they're very steeped in evidence-based medicine, which doesn't actually concern itself with the quality of the evidence, to be perfectly frank. Okay, but um, that's for another podcast. Okay, if you want to listen to my podcast, just go to my website. They're all listed there. Okay, every single one I've ever done. Okay, if there was a PDF associated with it and you don't see it, just email Tammy at office at drjessarmine.com and she will make sure that you get the PDF. There is no secrets here. Okay, wait, another call. Wow. Hi, this is Dr. Jess. How are you? Hi, Dr. Jess. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really, really much appreciate it. Not a problem. What can I do for you, sir? Oh, so my name is uh, Kevin Daniels, and um, I'm a single father. And, mm-hmm. and I've, been, I've been having some difficulty with my son, Ryan. Um, he's, he's really uh, unpredictable, and I, I, I don't know what to do with him. He's, he, he's 12, and he, he just doesn't listen to me. Okay. I mean, he gets violent. He's stolen money from me. He stole my car the other day. I, I, and then my, as, a, as a single parent, I, I do date. And I, I brought home, you know, women, and he goes crazy at them. It's just really it harnesses my life in a horrible way. It sounds like he has some, um, some significant uh, neuropsychiatric issues, especially at that age. Okay. Um, and is he being treated by anyone? No, I, I mean I've tried to take him out, and he bites me and he kicks me, and I, I can't do anything. I mean he's a he's a violent boy, and I I don't want to take him to the police. I mean one time I, I threatened to to call the police on him, and he grabbed the phone out of my hand and he threw it out and broke it. Okay, well there's there's a couple couple of principles that you need to know. If if you're unsafe or you feel like he's being unsafe. Unsafe means either homicidal or suicidal. Okay, that's the time to call the police. Okay, because um, when an individual gets to that point, okay, they need to be involuntarily committed so that they can have psychiatric intervention. Now, I'm an alternative medicine practitioner, and the first thing I, I, when people talk to me about this kind of stuff is, is the person safe or is the family safe? Okay. Uh, in the absence of that, okay, the um, Dad, who are you on the phone with? Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm on the phone with the, your, your, my friend Brian. Give me the phone, Dad. No, no, no just hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry, my son just got home. Give me the home. phone, Dad. Who, who is this? What are you telling my dad to do? Not telling your dad to do anything. What are you telling my dad to do? Not a thing. Let me talk to your dad, please. Hello? No! I'm trying to, t- to talk about you. No! Get out, get out. What are you telling my dad to do? Ryan, please. Hello? Hi. Yeah, here's what I'm going to suggest you do. If you if you have a chance, um, contact my office and you can schedule a 15 minute get acquainted session. We can talk about this during the day if your son's in school when you can. Shut your mouth, you diesel shit. Now answer me. What advice did you give my dad? The advice I'm going to give you is to get off the phone and let me talk to your dad. Where do you get off telling my dad what to do? Little boy, give me back to your father. You got any advice for me? Yeah. You know what I think about your advice? It sucks. Ryan, give me the phone now. No. Yes, Ryan. No. Yes. Just like my dad. Brian, get up. Well, I just hung up, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to end this show because that came from New York, and I'm going to contact um, the authorities. Hopefully they can follow up with him. And that sounds like a dangerous situation, so I'm going to try and intervene a little. So anyway, um, 
ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your um, attention. Uh, that was a very interesting way of ending our call, but I'm going to try and see if I can't um, help this person out a bit. Okay. Um, see you again next week or two weeks from now, right? Great. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that really threw me off. Okay. Talk to you soon. Take care. Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near But I can feel the change in my